This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, it's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, Scuttlebutt Nation, that's right. You've stumbled on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Honest conversation with open hearts. A place for discussions, breakdowns, and deep dives. This is your safe space when it comes to nerd opinions. Because just like assholes, we all got them. Strap in, grab your blaster, and some sunscreen. Because it's always sunny on Scarif. Oh boy, it's the Scuttlebutt. And that's the Scuttlebutt. That's the Scuttlebutt. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 171 of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood, Ro, here sitting at the top of the Citadel, and uh, I've got a special guest. We've got a uh, special show tonight. Uh, It's a Quick Cuts episode. Uh, Quick Cuts, if you know, uh, I take a couple of friends and we take a couple of topics and we discuss them. Um, I like to get uh, right down to business. I know uh, a lot of uh, other podcasts like talking sports, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not into that sort of thing. Unless you want to say a little something about sports, my guest tonight is uh, DJ from The Exegesis. How you doing, brother? Doing very well. And, uh, no, no sports tonight. No sports. <laughs> uh, I'm ready just to get right into it. Excellent. Uh, if you talk sports, I'll just do a lot of nodding and, and agreeing. And yes, perfect. I was uh, at City Hall the other day waiting for some stuff to happen at work. And uh, one of the other photographers came up to me and started talking about sports. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand. I, I didn't understand. I was just uh, nodding politely, as they say. But um, yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to, uh, our first topic on quick cuts here, I wanted to talk to you about artificial intelligence. I know that uh, AI has been in the news um, prevalently really uh, over the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe the last year and a half. Uh, as the technology gets a little more sophisticated, we start to see the technology uh, being applied in all sorts of different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I wanted to get uh, your general take on artificial intelligence. I know, um, you know, when, when we hear AI, especially us who are, you know, fans of science fiction movies and things like that, uh, you, when you hear AI, you, you start to, to, to imagine certain things. Um, but um Artificial intelligence goes back uh, probably longer than a lot of people uh, realize. Um, the other day, I made a post uh, because I'm a I'm a photographer, I'm, I'm a camera guy, and I said that uh, to some degree, autofocus is artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's uh you know it's 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 kind of interesting to kind of think of all the uh, the applications, all the technology that uses AI. But um, what are some of your favorite ways of using artificial intelligence, if, if, if there is a favorite way of using AI? Uh, well, for me, uh, mostly for coming up with cool paint schemes for some 501st uh, costumes that I'm working on, uh, I try to get them as realistic as possible now uh just so i you know it's it's good to have a 
two-dimensional design that you can draw on a piece of paper, but the art aspect of it, you could type in a few key words, whether you want it to be uh, like mine is an orange and white Mandalorian with a particular background and you can add in things like with a cape, with two blasters, and it will generate a really lifelike version of a suit and or this figure. And you can really say, oh, I like this color pattern. I, I really prefer this to that. So let me change this up. And it really uh, gives you a 3D tool to uh, to get what's in your head out onto a costume. That's the main way that I use it. Uh, there's a couple of ways I'm sure we'll get into uh, here in a bit about uh, technology and shows that we watch, uh, which I like. Some of them I don't like. But uh, for me, uh, mainly that's how I use AI right now. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting tool for pre-visualization. I know, you know, there were some artists, obviously, when you get into the world of pre-vis, when we're talking movies, um, you know, there are artists that do storyboards that, uh, you know, go, you know, do a shot by shot uh, uh, layout of a film. Uh, it kind of helps the director uh, envision, you know, where to put the camera, how to compose a shot, how to sequence, uh, you know, a, a number of events in the film, action scenes, especially. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting to be able to take uh, artificial intelligence and then create uh, something like what you said. I know a lot of people... Um, get down on AI art, um, especially if they, um, you know, obviously, you know, when people sell AI art, AI art as their own, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, a little questionable right there. But, um, you know, uh, not to cross the stream, but Scotty from Star Trek says uh, you got to, you know, use the right tool for the right job. Um, right. Yeah. And I think something and I think AI sometimes, you know, fits that bill. Uh, but getting back to, uh, like you said, getting back to some of the things that, that um, you know, us as uh, science fiction and fantasy fans, Star Wars and Marvel and all that stuff, um, artificial intelligence um, has been, again, in the forefront, uh, especially when it comes to doing some face uh, replacement technology, some actors that are no longer with us, or perhaps some actors that are, you know, beyond their, uh, their age and their availability to, to do certain things. You know, the characters that we grew up uh, loving, especially in star Wars, um, they're going to live in our minds uh, forever. Uh, unfortunately, as, uh, as mortal humans, the mm -hmm. actors cannot, um, but sometimes the stories kind of re uh, rely, <clears throat> rely on, uh, on these actors to come back or these characters really to come back. And I think technology um, has really given us a way to, to kind of make that possible. Um, you know, getting back to the deep fake stuff. I mean, you know, we had uh, Luke Skywalker return at the mm -hmm. end of season two of the Mandalorian. And, uh, you know, everybody went crazy, obviously it's, it's great to see, but I wanted to get your take. What is your take on, on deep fake and replacing actors with, uh, with this sort of technology? Well, they've really come a long way with it. Uh, the first one I can remember, I guess it would be in, uh, Rogue One, uh, where you see, uh, Tarkin and, uh, a, uh, young Carrie Fisher, uh, like Princess Leia, 
uh, where they used the deep fake in there. And you can kind of tell something was a little off. Right. But it still looked good, good enough. Uh, it, but it really yearned for us to really want to wish we had those actors back, you know, in those roles. And then we got, uh, say, Luke in the um, in the Mandalorian, which was far better graphically uh, and visually. Uh, they they really captured the spirit uh, of. And I don't know if it's just they used a closer body double to make it work uh, or if it was just technology had caught up and where it really looked like it was a young Luke Skywalker that was there. Sure. Uh, I don't and I don't mind that use uh, as long as the actor that was portraying uh, that younger version signs off on it. You know, if, if they say, hey, yeah, that's fine. If you want to continue uh, having uh, someone else do a stand-in and do this type of thing, I can't physically do it anymore. Go for it. You know, I, I don't mind that at all. Yeah, and that um, it's very similar. I guess it's it's similar and it's not. I mean, you know, Peter Mayhew had his uh, um, his role as Chewbacca replaced by another younger actor whose uh, knees worked a little better. You know, for right. lack of a better right. word. Um, so there, you know, the, there are, you know, instances where actors get replaced, um, obviously for medical, uh, conditions, medical issues, but, um, you know, the, the whole advent of bringing back actors or characters from, you know, sometimes, you know, back from the dead, um, especially in the, in the form of, uh, of Grand Moff Tarkin, um, you know, Peter Cushing. Uh, coming back for for this uh, particular role in in the film, um, I, again, I know a lot of people are are a, a bit um, you know unreceptive to that technology, but I think uh, I think Rogue One did it well. I mean, I don't think you can tell a story about the uh, you know the stealing of the Death Star plans and then obviously the Death Star, the early stages of the Death Star without mm-hmm. including the character in in the film. Um, before the release of the film, I was even speculating. I'm like, I, you know, I'm sure they're working on some sort of technology to bring that, uh, that character back. And, and boy, was I pleasantly surprised, uh, you know, watching that scene unfold and, and expecting, you know, as a film goer, expecting the camera to cut away to another shot where you would mm-hmm. maybe just see the back of an actor's head continuing right. the scene. But, you know, you saw Grand Moff Tarkin in all its glory, and and it was it was pretty fascinating at the time, um, you know. And then you cut to uh, you know a couple of years later, and you get uh, movies like uh, the latest Indiana Jones, where mm-hmm. um, you know that's kind of a, a little bit of a different technology, where you know obviously uh, Lucasfilm has uh, the ability to rely on the resource of uh, its uh, its visual library. They have been, you know, filming Harrison Ford for decades and they have a lot of footage uh, being able to bring back that data and, and those images to recreate uh, a young Indiana Jones, I think, was uh, was was kind of an amazing feat. Um, whether you like the film or not, I think uh, to to kind of stick with that formula on a fifth Indiana Jones uh, film, 
where, you know, we're used to seeing an early adventure of Indiana Jones before you get to the new one. Mm-hmm. I, uh, again, I, I think I was speculating even with uh, some of the leaked images where you saw the actor, the stunt guy uh, with dots on his face. And I, I realized that, uh, you know, something something's going on uh, behind the scenes here. And I, I, mm-hmm. I was very eager to uh, to, uh, you know, get back into the theater and, and, and experience another Indiana Jones film. Um, what do you think of that technology versus some of the stuff that, you know, has been, uh, you know, has been prevalent on, uh, on YouTube with, uh, with deep fake. I mean, these are different technologies mm-hmm. that work, um, you know, to, uh, to different varying degrees of either success or failure. But what do you think of the difference between all that, uh, AI technology? I think the main difference is um, for what really works well is when you have the uh, actor or actress in a limited spot. So uh, with with Rogue One, we caught Leia turning around and we got to see her face. With Tarkin, it was just a, a few seconds shot and we got to see him and we didn't really get into it. Uh, later we had Luke Skywalker where, uh, a little more action, it's gotten a little bit better. Uh, so, and I think that that sits better where we don't be, we are not able to really nitpick the appearance because it comes and goes and, um, you know, whereas a, if they did it for a fuller or a longer length of time, we could really look at it and be more critical about, oh, well, this is a little off, or oh, we can tell that that's not the real character. Uh, so I think that really is the um, uh, it, it is the cutting point where it's like as long as it's not overly done, mm-hmm. I think we have a better. Uh, chance for a success rather than a full length feature with a AI created figure or a deep fake uh, cut to it. I, I think that's really where we have to draw the line. I don't know if we could take a full length feature with a younger Luke Skywalker that's there that we, and we know that that's not Mark Hamill doing it. Uh, although even if he supplies the voice, you're like, eh, something's just not right there. Yeah, that's interesting that you should say that because I think, uh, you know, my example of the Indiana Jones sequence, I felt like it definitely went on a little too long. You know, your eyes start to get used to, you know, they call it the uncanny valley effect where, Mm. you know, your eyes kind of perceive that something is not quite right about this person's face. Mm Mm-hmm. I think um, I think that that was one aspect of that film that uh, you know a lot of people were like eh, something, something's up here, but um, yeah that's that's interesting. Um, we did get a comment just now from Loki Jarson, and I def I, I asked before we started recording. I asked uh, what uh, people's thoughts are on the movie making technology of you know deep fake and all of this AI technology that is being. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of shoved down our throats, but uh, Loki says it's only going to be used more as the technology develops. Might as well get ahead of the curve, I think. Hmm. And I think, you know, when it comes to uh, filmmaking technology, you know, uh, we have really come a long way um, from the days of, uh, you know, people in the theater. I remember stories, uh, 
I wasn't at this theater. I'm not that old. I was remember stories of uh, people freaking out at the theater as they reacted to a uh, locomotive approaching the screen and uh, thinking that it was going to crash right through the wall. <laughs> um, so, you know, things like that. And obviously you've got uh, um, the, you know, the, one of the first uh, special effects movies, um, arguably the, the film called uh, man in the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we definitely have come a long way when it comes to special effect technology and film. And I think artificial intelligence and AI um, is only, I think one aspect of, of this uh, face um, replacement technology that we're talking about. But, um, you know, as with any technology, I think, you know, it, it becomes better as, uh, re, you know, research and resources go into it. Um, I don't, uh, I don't find it surprising that one day we might actually have, you know, a brand new Star Wars with, a with, a with a, a young Luke Skywalker, uh, if the technology ever gets there, um, but again, to re uh, to to paraphrase uh, one of our favorite dinosaur movies, you know, we we should ask ourselves, uh, you know, just because we can do it, uh, you know, should we? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 interesting. I mean, the technology is interesting, and I'm you know me, I love movie making technology. I I, I love it all. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's one of those debates that filmmakers and 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 audiences are deeply uh, invested in when it comes to uh, this discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and c- camera shots are one thing. Uh, then you also have the uh, the AI scripts and things that uh, that people put in, uh, which I think is really going a little bit too far uh, with the AI uh, as far as movie making. Uh, you really can't beat uh, a solid group of writers. They can really get the passion. Uh, into a script, whereas AI, you can um, you can kind of tell that uh, something's a little off there as well. A little too wooden. Uh, you just really can't relate to the characters because it's just standard written, just in the straight lines. There's really no gray area in there. Um, but uh, yeah, and who knows? Maybe that technology will come around uh, as far as movie making, as far as scripts go, I don't think we'll we'll get there in our lifetime, but perhaps in our kids' lifetime that the, they might get to that point. Um, but yeah, I we really have come. I mean, look, Star Wars, nineteen seventy seven. It's really one of the first visual shots we had where spaceships weren't on wires. Right. It looked like we were. It was there, and it was happening. And with the, the advent of Industrial Light and Magic, look at the wonders that they've created from then till now. And they're still going strong. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm interested in the technology. I'd like to see where it can go. But, yeah, as of right now, uh, limited use, I think, is the best. Yeah. And uh, as Peter Parker would say, or, or Uncle uh, Uncle Ben, with great power comes great responsibility, obviously. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, like you said, in, in our children's lifetime, what uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, but, you know, we've we've had several movies where where we've been warned by other directors about artificial intelligence and it doesn't seem like we're paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at all. So who knows? Who knows? 
Fascinating, fascinating stuff. DJ, thank you so much for joining me on this Quick Cuts uh, edition and uh, artificial intelligence. We're talking a lot about it. And I know, uh, you know, that is uh, one of the prevalent themes uh, that has been, um, you know, permeating, especially during the uh, the, the strike, uh, mm-hmm. the writer strike and, and the actors, uh, something that uh, that uh, is on everybody's mind. But uh, any final thoughts on artificial intelligence uh, on any platform? Um, well, uh, excited to see what the future holds. Uh, hopefully, uh, it just continues to get better. Difficult to see the future is, yes. <laughs> but uh, absolutely. DJ, why don't you tell folks uh, where people can find you and what do you have coming up on, on your show? All right. Yeah, so you can find me uh, at the Exegesis R5 on Twitter or Red4Charlie at Twitter. Uh, do a live show every Thursday on the YouTube. Uh, this week uh, we have coming up. Um, oh, I just had it and lost it. Uh, but we have an interesting show coming up. Um, uh, we'll have a special guest this week uh, from. You're talking uh, about uh, Disney streaming. Yes, yeah, Disney services, right? Disney yeah. streaming this week. Yes, yeah. yeah my conscience took over. Uh, <laughs> Roe is my conscious. Uh, so yeah, we have a special guest. Bro is going to be on there with us, uh, talking about uh, you know, hey, is Disney Plus actually been successful in what it started off with? So tune in, uh, seven p.m. Central, eight p.m. Uh, Eastern, and uh, we'll have a good time. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that uh, that discussion. I think uh, you know we uh, we have to kind of branch out when we have our uh, our shows. Uh, you know, my wife keeps saying, uh, you know, are you guys still talking about Star Wars? It's like 40 plus years old. What, what's, what's left to talk about? <laughs> but uh, sometimes we got to branch out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Excellent. And both of us, uh, you can find both of our podcasts and shows on the uh, Red 5 Network, bio.link slash Red 5. You can re- find the rest of the gang there if you are interested in cool, nerdy discussions. Excellent. DJ, thank you so much. We'll see you out there in the Twitterverse. We'll be right back with more quick cuts. I I was looking at the word sentry mode, but we do have a sentry mode section in this episode. So uh, stay tuned. Hey, friends, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh, yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. Okay, folks, we got another Sentry Mode segment here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And to join me on this wonderful segment, I've got none other than our friend Tim from the FSF Pop Popcast. I got to say that carefully. Tim, how you doing? 
Good, buddy. Glad I could trip you up with the name of my show one more time. <laughs> every time, every time. Thank you so much. Uh, so uh, what's been going on in the world of podcasts? Uh, well, it's, you know, it's funny that, that uh, you tripped over that because our last couple interviews, we realized we've known this for a while that uh, our name is more of a, a tongue twister than, than we originally intended it to be. But at the point we realized that we had already bought the domain name, uh, the website had the t-shirts printed. It was a little too late. So, uh, <laughs> so, but uh, no, we're, we're, we're keeping busy. We've got some, uh, we've been We've kind of taken a little break on interviews because just because our backlog is so big right now, so we're kind of taking a little bit of downtime, which is normally what we do when we start entering quarter four for the year. We've usually got a nice big backlog built up, so that the last uh, the last month or two of the of the year we can kind of coast into the new year and uh, and uh, just to do a few live shows here and there and throw some dice around to people. Excellent. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, yeah, this is the time to kind of uh, start. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of industries start to wind down. So uh, we should be able to kind of relax too uh, with the holidays coming Yeah, absolutely. Up. Yeah, excellent. Absolutely. So uh, in that vein, to help you relax, I've got a couple of questions for you for our Sentry Mode. This is Sentry Mode. And uh, these are five questions that kind of span all across the Nerdosphere. Um, I hope you have fun. And are you ready? Let's go for it. Excellent. Sentry mode. Question number one. In Star Trek, the original series, what character came in on the second season to please the girl audience that was going crazy over Davy Jones of the Monkees? I'm going to assume it was Chekhov. <laughs> He's so dreamy. I I mean, he doesn't do it for me, but, you know, Walter Koenig is a, a very, <laughs> very attractive man. Very attractive man. And you are correct, Pavel Chekhov, played by Walter Koenig. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there was uh, some uh, little controversy there. Uh, Gene Roddenberry and the gang were noticing that uh, they wanted to get some more female um, viewers in there, so they... Uh, they threw in Mr. Chekhov. Excellent. All right. Great. I'm just saying, now I'm never not going to be able to see him and think, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. <laughs> right. Great. And it's funny because I was watching uh, one of the um, older episodes uh, in season two. I think his first appearance was uh, Who Mourns for Adonis. Okay. And he definitely had a really, really bad wig in that episode. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> Someone had to keep up with Shatner. <laughs> there you go. Question number two. In The Empire Strikes Back, name the character who diverted the snowtroopers into a room full of wampas during the evacuation of Echo Base. Hint, it was in the deleted scene. Oh boy. You know, it's it's funny uh, for this being my all time favorite movie. This is a, a piece of trivia that I don't think I know. Really? Um, yeah. Oh. Um, Any guesses? Okay, I'll say Wedge Antilles. Wedge Antilles, you would be incorrect. I figured I would be, but so uh, we have a scene that was cut out uh, for reasons unbeknownst to us. Uh, C three PO runs past a room and returns, ripping off a sign that says, um, 
apparently it might it might not not in english but it says uh in star wars font do not enter wampas inside uh he continues to us he continues his escape and the stormtroopers check the room and one of the troopers gets mauled and dragged into the room as a large wampa claw grabs him and, and brings him in the other trooper quickly closes the door what a knee slapper and then comedy ensues <laughs> so maybe that's why they took it out Hmm. Yeah, you should. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to look that up. I honestly did not know about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Star Wars has some really interesting uh, deleted scenes uh, from the obviously from the original trilogy, Star Wars: Empire and Jedi, and that uh, was definitely one of them. Um, you should look it up. Oh, I will absolutely. <laughs> All right. Question number three. What is the year of the premiere of the BBC's Doctor Who show, the original one, and who was your favorite doctor? Uh, I want to say it was 19, it was either 1963 or 1966, I think. Um, I'll go with 63 because I'm sure you need a definitive answer. So I'll say 63. And... I'm actually not the biggest Whovian, but I do really enjoy David Tennant for so many very awesome reasons. And uh, so I'll say 10th Doctor just because he's the one I've watched the most. Okay. And and because of my affinity for David Tennant. Sure. Yeah, that is a great answer. And uh, 1963 is correct. You got, uh, you got that Woo! one. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I pulled that one out of my shoe. All right. Very nice. And your shoe, is it also bigger on the inside? <laughs> only, if, only if my feet aren't in there. <laughs> Excellent. All right, question number four, Sentry Mode. We're uh, having a good time here with Tim at... Uh, uh, question number four. In the 1978 Battlestar Galactica show, what do the Colonial Vipers and X-Wings have in common? Well, I'm going to assume that, assume that because they're if they're similar to the X-Wings, because I don't remember this at all, I'm going to say that their, their wings spread out in an X formation. Um, remember, you know, Battlestar Galactica in 78 and Star Wars in 77 had a lot of connective tissue, a lot of DNA um, that was um, part of both of the shows. That uh, That is an indirect hint. That is an indirect hint. Yes. Connective tissue, the DNA. Colonial Vipers, X-Wings, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars. So I'm going to go ahead and say that it's not having to do something with the X of the wing. Uh, Correct. Because, just because of the way that you're repositioning <laughs> this question. I mean, I'm not the world's smartest man, but I figured that one out. Uh, let's see. And you get a quarter Connect point for that one. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Uh, connective tissue. This is the DNA. Uh, they're both flown by a rebellion. Yeah, that's a good guess. Um, both were designed by Ralph McQuarrie, the pre-visualization artist uh, that George, uh, you know. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, Ralph McQuarrie was uh, an industrial uh, artist, uh, what do you call it, uh, illustrator. 
and um, there's a lot of uh, commonalities between some of the stuff that he worked on with uh, Star Wars and uh, Battlestar Galactica. And actually, the Vipers were almost the X-Wings uh, in design. And another ship that was almost an X-Wing, uh, I'm sorry, almost a Viper, was the spaceship that is used in the 70s uh, slash 80s show from uh, Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Oh, no um, kidding. It was also designed by Roth McQuarrie, and uh, that was almost, that was a rejected version of the Colonial Viper for Battlestar Galactica. That's cool. I am a plethora of useless science fiction information. I love it. Someone has to be. So question number five, and this is the last question of the segment. This question is actually sponsored by our friend Danny over at Comics and Cosmetics. Danny, deep dives on many aspects of comic lore, examining key characters, story arcs while demonstrating her unique talents in makeup, sometimes pulling out all the stops and appearing on her show as some of her favorite aliens. You guys have to stay tuned for something awesome that she's working on. I'll give you a hint. Kapla. There you go. Here is Danny's question. What comic and issue did Wonder Woman first appear in? Oh, boy. And, um, uh, and just for the record, you can go subscribe to her, uh, Comics and Cosmetics, and you can, um, you can argue with her there and complain about this question because I'm like, how is he going to get this? Uh, I'll take all guesses. Okay, good. So uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna go with it was episode seven of the 1943 S&M Weekly. Wow, close. <laughs> <laughs> Very close. And actually, um, I would love to read that. <laughs> it was actually All Star Comics number eight. Thank you very much, okay. Danny, for that very difficult question. She's uh, she's a big, uh, you know, big fan of Wonder Woman. So uh, leave it to her to uh, drop that uh, bit of knowledge there. But uh, Tim, you did fantastic. I hope you had fun. Sentry mode. How'd you think you did? Uh, I think I got two out of five. So you know, I'm, I'm I think I'm rocking a strong forty percent here. This is Sentry mode. I hope you had fun, at least. I did. Yeah. No, no. This is always, always fun to come on on the scuttlebutt in one way or another. And it's always uh, wonderful to impress my friends with all the useless knowledge I have. So thank you <laughs> again so much. Why don't you tell the folks where people can find you and subscribe to all the wonderful content that you guys do over there? Why, certainly. Uh, so the easiest and best way to find anything that we're doing is on our website, which is the FSF popcast pop cast uh and if you go to there and you click on the contact me uh section right now we're starting a new a brand new email list where you can passively win prizes loot and fun things from the fsf podcast like digital movies uh, uh you know free digital movie codes we'll we'll just email them to you um we may at- contact you from time to time and say hey you won this hat or this T-shirt or something, and we'd like to ship it to you, uh, something along those lines. And, of course, it also, in, in full disclosure, it does sign you up for our newsletter, and you get to hear about all the 
cool people that are coming up on our show and, and all of that stuff. So if you go to our website, that's probably the best way to get us. But of course, you can find us on all your uh, favorite audio podcast providers. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel because that's where you get to see my beautiful face smiling at you uh, from behind a pop filter and a microphone. And that's always a pleasure when I get to do that. So thank you very much, Tim from the FSF Popcast. I got to start practicing that, brother. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. folks i wanted to take a little break and say thank you to all the patrons here at the scare scuttlebutt podcast do you all remind me to make sure that we spit out some good product here from topics to technical we want to make sure that you are proud of us enough to attach your name to this show first of all our executor tier scott and kim of the use and abuse podcast a proud member of the red five family make sure to check them out visit them in the chat when they go live for fun and shenanigans and speaking of shenanigans another wonderful supporter nicholas schaefer mr backyard tardis himself hey he's got a channel adventures in locksmithing and if you think rekeying is all he does well you should watch a few of his videos and prepare yourself for the crazies Right, and moving on to our garrison tier. Big thanks to the Frank, our resident back to the future expert. Log in and say hello. What's up, Frank? Melanie Marquita, big high five to you, my friend. One of my favorite collaborators. We got comics and cosmetics. Danny, her YouTube channel's got the latest nerd news and some awesome tips on comics and cosmetics. Go give her a sub. All right, big shout outs to Alex, the salty nerd himself. Nicole, peace, love, and all fandoms. And someone who brings joy to my timeline, Belinda. So glad you're on this list. I also want to give a special shout out to Vader, Rapina, and Rennie. And of course, Ollie and family. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you, patrons and friends of the podcast. If you're interested in helping to keep the lights on here, get some exclusive Scare of Swag, stickers, and my periodic row rant episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash scareofscuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. Okay, folks, we are back here at the Citadel, the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. Welcome back. We're doing a Quick Cuts episode. I got a controversial topic. Uh, There's a couple of people that uh, responded uh, fairly early on with this, but uh, I wanted to welcome my guest on this this, uh, segment. Um, We know him as Troublemaker Ray on the the Twitterverse. Uh, He's always... (laughs) He's always with the hot takes. What's up, Ray? I'm good. So I, I'm I'm stirring the pot constantly on Twitter. I guess is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But you know what? That's why that's how we like it here at the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. Deep dives, nerd talk. But um, speaking of which, uh, let me let me get down to business. You uh, you I, I kind of jumped on a uh, uh, I guess a discussion that you were having uh, about Uncle Owen. And uh, I wanted uh, I wanted to get your two cents in. I wanted to see if you can kind of introduce that topic because I kind of uh, I made a little graphic and people jumped on me for it. But uh, why don't you tell the folks um, what uh, what I'm talking about? Because it's uh, it's 
it's kind of uh it's you know i i like that uh that that way of thinking um outside the box but um we're we're messing with uh we're messing with a little canon we're messing with uh some legacy characters but um let's uh why don't you go ahead and explain to folks what we're talking about yeah sure so i was uh in doom scrolling as one does uh on <laughs> on twitter uh, especially in the star wars fandom uh, occasionally it's all doom scrolling and um, I don't remember the person who actually did the original post, um, but basically it was a post saying uh, Uncle Owen, you know, was a bad guy, essentially, you know, um, not a bad, not a bad guy in the imperial sense necessarily, but just like not a nice guy. Right. Uh-huh. And right. Uh, and I kind of stuck up for it a little bit. I, I leaned into that idea and uh, I said that. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about Uncle Owen from episode four now, uh, you know, the original trilogy, the the oldest we know, Uncle Owen. But, you know, I was thinking about that guy and I was applying my um, current state knowledge. And I was like, you know what? He be a guy that's on Fox News 24-7, just sitting there watching Fox <laughs> News, getting angrier and angrier, whatever the imperial version of that is. Now, I don't think that Uncle Owen would be in like a – pro-imperial guy he's much more of i think a libertarian sort of like you know i want to do what i want to do stay out of my business i know i think he's probably anti-jedi he probably bought into that propaganda but he's probably not pro-palpatine either because palpatine's a an authoritarian that actually is doing authoritarian stuff unlike you know potentially in this world you have people who are kind of pretend that uh that haven't actually actualized it um but uh but I think in that world, he might be, you know, he might be a libertarian. Interesting, interesting. And then I created a graphic because I was kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, skimming through that uh, that discussion. I made a graphic of Uncle Owen and I put the words over his face. Uh, Imperial sympathizer? Yeah. Push, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, people were like, oh, my God, how dare you? But um yeah, it's um, I can kind of see that. Uh, you know, getting back to the original Owen, we uh, we meet him. He is trying to hold back uh, Luke from uh, mm-hmm. joining joining the academy. Um, obviously, we get uh, we get a little bit of a glimpse of of uh, Owen's mentality as far as you know, trying to keep Luke down, or or to some degree, kind of uh, trying to keep Luke away from something. At this point in in the fandom, we are not sure what that something is. Mm-hmm. We're not too familiar as to why you know he's doing what he's doing. Luke wants to go out and stretch his wings, and uh, you know find adventure. Um, which uh, we know that that's not the Jedi way, according to Yoda. But that's another that's another podcast. But it's uh, it's interesting don't, too. Don't don't start me. Don't start me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have you back. We'll have you back for that one. But why don't why don't you tease that out a little bit? I know uh, you know you had mentioned that too bad Brad is not here regarding the libertarian comment because I think he would yeah. kind of have a, a little bit of a field day with that one. But it's uh, it's interesting nonetheless. Why don't you tease well, that out a little bit? Yeah. So I extrapolated from I thought you know obviously the Owen that we meet in the prequel trilogy is a pretty a pretty nice guy. He seems like a pretty nice guy, right? He's got a nice girlfriend. Um, his dad's a little gruff, but but he seems to be pretty, you know, pretty chill. And then even when we meet Owen in the Kenobi show, uh, you know, he's protective of Luke, but he he uh, doesn't seem quite as jaded and as angry as his uh, original, tr- you know, original trilogy uh, portrayal. So I thought, you know, 
You have to figure this is what Owen goes through at the end of Kenobi, right? He's got the crazy Inquisitor breaks in, tries to basically slaughter his family, right? So all of a sudden, he, he it's very immediate. Like what was theoretical before um, with, with taking in Luke, and although we don't really even know what he knows about that situation per se, right? Um, but taking in Luke... Uh, now it's all of a sudden he's been he's been kind of forced to reckon with the real violence that can that can come with with Luke's identity being known. And I think, you know, in some ways I could see him being angry at the whole world about this. I mean, you know, it's not fair to Luke. It's not fair to he, he, him and it's not fair to his family. And um, I could just see him kind of getting jaded as time goes on. And obviously he it, it seems odd to me in the end of Kenobi that he and Kenobi kind of seem like they're on the same page or on a similar page or that he's sympathetic to Kenobi's plight. Whereas in, by the time with the original trilogy, 10 years past that, he's definitely like, no, that's a crazy wizard. Don't mess with him. Don't have anything to do with him. So we don't know if something happens in between that where, you know, the relationship sours again, or if it's just, like I said, he's just sitting there, you know, on the, on the, whatever the AM, you know, equivalent of AM radio is um, just, just listening to the conspiracy theories and buying into it because he's been, he's been subjugated to this, uh, to kind of this life, this life. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Um, at the end of Kenobi, and you know, the, the last Kenobi um, product that I watched was the Kai Patterson cut, and he totally mm. elim- eliminated the the uh, the fact that Reva found um, Luke mm-hmm. and uh, went after him at uh, at the homestead. So it's you know it's, it's all coming back to me from 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 that aspect. What was that? Do, do you know what you makes me think? You just you saying that that he cut that part makes me think. Do you know how in in books well, they say it in movies as well? I guess in editing movies, but they say it in books a lot to say like you you have to kill your darlings, right? The things that you write that you're or you film that you're like oh this is so good and then you go back in the edit and say I've got to get rid of this stuff. It just it doesn't progress the story or it's you know for whatever reason it has to go. I feel like maybe Disney isn't doing that with their shows. Um, and, and I think Marvel maybe as well falls into this trap, but it certainly seems Star Wars does. Whereas, you know, it's kind of like, what should we, what, sh- what kind of story should we tell? And then, you know, what should we keep out of those stories? And I feel like they, they kind of lean into some of the stuff that maybe against their, what I would consider the better judgment of somebody coming from the outside saying, what's a compelling story, knowing what we know without introducing a lot of error or confusing stuff into the, into the, um, you know, into the continuity that ex- currently exists as it currently exists. I think Andor does a good job. I <laughs> those who know me on Twitter know I'm a pro Andor person, but right, I think right. Andor does a fairly good job of of sort of like skirting, you know, by the the continuity issue, partially by showing us things we haven't seen before, right, and also by not really addressing any of the Force stuff, which kind of gives a lot more latitude to the story. But I think they do a good job of not overshooting. Um, what I think the mandate of a story like that would be. Now we'll remains to be seen on season two, but yeah. And that's uh funny. You should say that because I think for me, that's almost like the cart before the horse. I think um, in order for you to kind of take a look at the bigger picture, when it comes to story and narrative, you've got to be able to plan it out. You've got to be mm-hmm. able to kind of map out a story, um, you know, in, in the first place to be able to kind of, you know, see the trajectory of this, of these characters and see where they're going, see where they've been and kind of have that all, you know, in the back of your mind when you're shooting it, when you're putting it together. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of movies, like you said, you know, they, they do tend to cut out some scenes, some scenes that directors are like, Oh my God, I love this, but it doesn't move the story. It doesn't mm-hmm. do anything to it. 
Um, but I think uh, when it comes to Disney, I think um, that's kind of a different animal. I almost feel like they really don't do a lot of pre-planning. Um, they have a concept, they put together a uh, treatment, and then they just shoot uh, without consequence. Uh, it's a lot of times. And I don't know if you saw this article recently, the post from some of the trade magazines, that Marvel is going back to having a writer's room, having a showrunner, having yeah. a production Bible, uh, which in essence is like, you know, I don't even know. I mean, nowadays, I think you can tell that uh, that was not happening. Um, but mm -hmm. having um, having Disney and Marvel admit that uh, that it wasn't happening, I think is kind of refreshing because now, uh, you know, I, I'm really hoping that we get to see some sort of, uh, I don't know, narrative continuity that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I so I did read an article about uh, about Disney's Marvel's approach specifically to um, to making their shows. And this I think this was had to do with the Daredevil news that they are that they're replacing, they're scrapping like a half a season of Daredevil, almost half a season, which equates to basically an entire season of Kenobi is the kind of way I read it, that they've already filmed and they're, they're getting a new creative uh, team and everything together. Um, and what I had read in that article, which is interesting, is basically what I got out of it was that Marvel was treating these shows like movies, right, where the director is the, the primary right. driving force, and they tried to make it in the same way that movies are made, unlike TV shows, which have showrunners that are the main creative force, right? And the directors are hired out and they have teams of writers and, and so on and so forth, right? And I don't know how much, to be honest with you, I don't know how much the writer's strike, um, the, the new contract is impacting the decision-making, right? With, uh, with Disney, I wouldn't be surprised if when Daredevil comes back, it isn't 12 episodes anymore because they have to pay more for that. We're going to see what that all looks like. Um, but I do think them rediscovering TV production in a way is, is interesting. And I think it'll, it'll probably produce better results. Although having said that, like you do have like Andor and some of the uh, WandaVision and some of these shows that did really well. Um, but I, I do wonder if I think what you're seeing narratively is you're seeing that sometimes the in-between a TV show that has a bunch of episodes that most of them are sort of procedural in some manner uh, or, or smaller in scope, but there's more of them, traditional TV, versus like a movie, which is two and a half hours, two and two and a half hours, and tells a tight narrative. That in-between space, that six episodes is tough, six, eight episodes. It, get, it gets tough to tell a narrative that gives enough room, <laughs> but also has has enough sort of narrative fuel to get through the, all the episodes. It's, it's interesting. I don't know what the, what the answer is, but it, it is interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, with Andor, I think, you know, Andor, you can tell that it was just, it, it was structured as a, as a large film. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's evident. And, you know, I've always said that Star Wars television seems to be having some sort of like weird growing pains, uh, pacing issues, um, because it's not structured as a traditional television show. Um, especially a, a weekly television show. I mean, with the runtimes all over the place of each episode, you've got some oh, yeah. that are 33 episodes, uh, you know, minutes, 47 minutes. It's like, you know, get, getting back to, um, you know, kind of broadcast runtimes. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, producers have been doing that for forever uh, on television. You structure out a season, a story, and you know that you've got, you know, 42 minutes, et cetera, you know, not counting commercials, yeah. uh, you know, during the time. But um, it's interesting to to kind of see 
than, like you said, just rediscovering the advent of how to do a you know long term you know multi season um series uh and yeah. not call, and not call it a mini series i think yep. the you know the the aspect of the mini series you know um also kind of to me it feels like it watered everything down i mean you've got uh, a project like kenobi that was originally supposed to be a film and i think um in order for them and i said this on last week's episode in order for them to kind of continue to sell the subscription of disney plus they decided, you know what? Maybe we can expand on this and make it a series and put it on on, on Disney Plus yeah. to to create content instead of just a movie. And I think the ability that 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 afforded them kind of watered down the product because you know introducing you know Riva and introducing Leia. And, you know, I, I don't know how uh, what aspect of the mm-hmm. of the series was part of the movie, but uh, you know it. It definitely was a. I think it's. It, I'm going to gamble to say that it was a, a different animal altogether. Oh, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think one of the things that um, one of the things that strikes me about a lot of these shows, the, the Disney shows, and I think this is inclusive of Marvel shows. I've watched most of them, um, and Andor is different than this. And I think Andor. Potentially, this is a reason why Andor is successful with to twelve episodes, but the narrative still kind of moves. Is You'll notice that a lot of the shows have a single point of view, basically, right? I mean, Mandalorian follows Mandalorian almost uh, 99% of the time, right? I know there's some, I mean, we had the, the, um, where the New Republic, um, Rangers of the New Republic show that got canceled. They kind of had to shoehorn some stuff in, I think, in the third third season of Mandalorian. But it largely follows like one narrative line, Kenobi, kind of basically just Kenobi, Ahsoka, Basically, just just Ahsoka, a little bit of Hera, but like if you look at, at other shows, like Andor has, I mean, Mon Mothma, Luthen, like it has a set of characters that it's following through multiple. Their arcs are all moving, and they all t- have a different uh, their own narrative within that larger narrative. Um, now, I'm a fan of of uh, The Wheel of Time, which is a streaming series um, on Amazon. A uh, set of books written by Robert Jordan, great fantasy, great fantasy books for anybody who's, who likes high fantasy. Um, but you know, they have the same thing. They're trying to take books and turn them into a, a, um, into a, you know, eight episode seasons, which is almost impossible to do with the size of the books, but still they have sets of characters going through narrative arcs. And I think it helps, um, not feel like you're treading water on some of this stuff, right? Cause you're following multiple characters you're following, and, and all of course, cumulative to the, to the overall narrative. But I wonder if that's, that's the limiting factor in some of these series that just, um, you know, just only have one person. Although I will say, I thought the Mandalorian was going to be this serial, you know, like episode of the week. Um, I say serial, not in the serial narrative sense, but, but um, you know, episode of the week show where it was a bounty hunter, bounty hunting. And we were going to get like cool bounty hunting stuff in all different locations. And there really wasn't going to be, you know, a, a, an overall big overall narrative arc that went through every episode. It'd be much more like, say, like the X Files, even if you only had eight episodes. Where it's like, you know, you might get a larger thing in the the first episode and the last episode, but there was a lot of stuff in between that just had nothing to do with anything except for bounty hunting. But um, that's not what they gave us. I almost would have preferred that. As soon as Baby Yoda showed up, I was like, oh, that's it, that's it. Because <laughs> you, you can't avoid it, right? I mean, sure. You're like, it's post-Return of the Jedi. I just saw a baby Yoda. That means the Force is in play. Luke's right. in play. The bigger yeah. story's in play. Like, you just... You're, and, 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 and I still don't know why Din Djarin does anything he does. <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I don't know if I would want a serial kind of like what they attempted, you know, Adventure of the Week. Um, I don't know if... I think for me, Star Wars does work better when there are different episodes that are contributing to a larger narrative because it is such a large story. It's such a huge galaxy that I like to see things, you know, in, in certain shows that affect the overall perspective of, yeah. of Star Wars. Yeah, um, I mean, look, I mean, I, listen, I, I agree. I, I think what Filoni and Favreau are attempting to do with that that time frame that universe is great i mean i i don't i don't mind that idea as much as i was like okay mandalorian's not gonna be what i thought it was gonna be but it but i have an issue with the quality aspect of what the product what the product is i that's just my my issue and i know that within the fandom look i, I mean we're we're original trilogyists or whatever you want to you know we came up in the original trilogy but we are not the predominant online especially twitter online fandom there i mean there are a lot of people that came up on the cartoons. I mean, they see, they see Star Wars as an animated product almost first, uh, or at least that's how they experienced it first as a, you know, 20 some minute cartoon or whatever. I don't I remember what the Clone Wars uh, runtimes were, but like, that's how they see it. So when they, when Filoni puts that on screen as a live action thing, it feels familiar to them. It feels weird to me <laughs> like, you sure. know, as much as yeah. I try to get behind it. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, Again, when you get two Star Wars nerds talking about one topic, we uh, oh yeah, we're off. I know we're all all over the place. Uh, But uh, no, absolutely. What do do you? So are are you? Do you think Owen? You think Owen's a a pro? You know, to bring it back, a a pro Republic guy, or you just think he's out there? Is he out in the middle of nowhere for a reason? You know, it's funny because you know there are different aspects of Noah Owen's um, character uh, traits. Uh, Like you said, I think they're. Um, you know, by the end of Kenobi, we get someone that is uh, at least empathetic towards Kenobi. He lets, uh, you know, he lets Kenobi, you know, walk over and introduce himself to Luke and give him the Skyhopper. Um, and obviously, for uh, utility purposes, uh, we get to see how you know adult Luke or teenage Luke, you know, gets that Skyhopper uh, in the original trilogy. Um, but, um, yeah, something definitely happened in between because like you said, he, uh, he just wants, uh, nothing to do with, uh, Obi-Wan by the time we yeah. meet him in the, uh, in the original trilogy. So yeah. who knows? Well, I, I know we're probably pressed for time, but I will say my other big theory, which I put on Twitter was that I don't think Luke Skywalker as a name existed until Princess Leia asked who was rescuing rescuing her. I think it was Luke Lars. <laughs> I think oh, he was Luke Lars. I think he was yeah. Luke Lars the, or Luke Lars the entire time. Wow. He reclaimed he reclaimed his father's name after he went with Obi Wan after the Lars were dead, and he was going on the same path to to be like his father and be a Jedi. I think that's when he reclaimed Luke Skywalker, and uh, that's why nobody ever really was like, "Wait a minute, that guy's named Skywalker," and found him. That's my that's my head canon for that reason. Wow, and that is the discussion for next week's Quick Cuts. Excellent. That is awesome, my friend. Again, I, um, I love your contributions uh, to the show and uh, love your, uh, your Twitter takes. Uh, wonderful stuff. Ray, thank you oh, so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Tell uh, our listeners where people can find you to uh, argue with you. Oh, so I am on Twitter at Ray Gun Richards. 
Um, that is my Star Wars account, so find me there. Yell at me if you think I'm uh, being mean to Owen uh, and or if I'm blaspheming against the Skywalkers. Actually, think about it. Who are you? I'm Luke Skywalker. Who, I, who are you? I'm Ray Skywalker. Any similarity? I don't know. I just lit it up there. I just blew the whole thing up. Wow. <laughs> Hashtag canceled. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Ray. We'll see you out there in the Twitterverse. Until next time, may the Force be with you. Okay, guys, gals, and single-loaded beings, that was episode 171 of the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. I hope you enjoyed all the topics, and don't forget to go find all my guests and tell them that the Scuttlebutt sent you. If you like tuning in to the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast, please consider Jedi mind-tricking a friend or leave a review. Make it a good one. And if you're interested in being on a quick-cut show, hit me up. Let's talk about it. Don't forget, we are a proud founding member of the Red 5 Network. Look for the rest of the Red 5 Network at bio.link slash red5. Until next time, remember, it's always sunny on Scarif, and that's the scuttlebutt. listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network <laughs>